folks, it's time for Democratic Perspective, brought to you by the Verde Valley Independent Democrats, a weekly talk show about the crucial political issues facing the Verde Valley, Sedona, Northern Arizona, and the nation at large. Join us for a stimulating, thought-provoking discussion. You'll get the facts as we focus on the challenges facing everyone. Good morning, folks. Steve Williamson sitting here, and across from me is my co-host. Hello. And your name is co-host? Hava. Okay. Hava (laughs) sitting across from me. Nice to be here again with you. And all the show, the show is called Democratic Perspective, but I think the topic we'll be dealing with today is, thank goodness, there are a few nonpartisan issues, and we'll be discussing uh, criminal justice and um, the mentally ill, and we'll be discussing it with uh, a prosecutor, uh, uh, Mick Jordal, and the Sheriff Lord David Lord. Rhodes. Um, Mick, uh, maybe you should start off and, and tell us a little bit about where we're at in Yavapai County. Uh, congratulations, Sheriff, on your recent re-election, uh, re- uh, actually election. Yes. Uh, uh, before the show uh, the sheriff uh, david rhodes told me that the only reason he got the job is nobody else wanted it <laughs> and i'm not sure i believe that but but anyway welcome gentlemen you're each on Thank a different line yeah so yeah mick, yeah hey there i'm mick jordan i'm actually the contract prosecutor for cottonwood and camp Verde, but i also do some defense work i have in uh, sedona municipal courts and up in the federal courts in, in Flagstaff. So my comments are, are based, just personal comments uh, uh, informed on that experience and not, not representative of any municipality necessarily. So, And uh, just thrilled to have uh, Sheriff Rhodes on. I've known Sheriff Rhodes since he was, I think when I first met him, he was the captain of the uh, Yavapai County Jail and uh, was doing some innovative things. I, I had come to the job of the prosecutor for misdemeanor situations in uh, Cottonwood, uh, mostly from a defense attorney perspective. So I wasn't sure what I would run into in terms of dealing with men- mental illness. And at that time, a lot of folks were tearing their hair out. You know, we'd have a lot of offenders, uh, real low level, uh, often uh, mostly nonviolent offenders who are mentally ill, uh, creating a lot of uh, problems, uh, you know, uh, social problems with uh, drunken disorderly conduct, uh, trespass, uh, homeless crimes, uh, things like that. And we're wondering what the heck, uh, you know, we could do with them. Uh, so there, there was an infusion of some new blood in the area. And really, really have to give hats off to uh, the new uh, chief of police at the time, Steve Gazelle, who uh, encouraged me to look at mental health alternatives. And at that time, I was hearing uh, from uh, Captain Rhodes then um, from the jail about some innovative things that they were doing. Uh, so that that was the big problem is, is both the jails and the criminal justice system were flooded uh, with uh, folks that were getting into trouble, real low level, homeless crimes, uh, mental illness, all that, and nothing was being done. And the traditional model, prosecutorial model, was, Pick people in jail for a while, get no services, let them out, um, and, you know, it's basically wash, rinse, and repeat. Um, so that would happen. You'd, you'd find certain defendants had been picked up 15, 20, 40 times. Uh, and think about the enormous amount of, and expense uh, going into that model. 
Um, so then we started getting into some new models, too, and I think uh, that's maybe where Dave could pick up uh, or Sheriff Rhodes could pick up on some of the things they were doing back then and looking at. Yeah, I, I don't have much uh, uh, contact with mental illness, but when I lived in New York City, we had a lot of it. And I'm not underestimating how disruptive these guys could be because I had people chase me down the street screaming at me and and, uh, and jumping out of doorways and yelling. Never hurt you, never physically touched you, but they scared a lot of people. And and but it, in Sedona, you know, I'm I'm insulated that because we're always in cars or, or riding a bike. We don't really have contact with that. So Sheriff Rhodes. Well, no. Did we lose? Did we Sheriff lose Rhodes? Sheriff Rhodes? Hmm. <sighs> well, Mick, maybe you can. If you, I know you were leading into speaking with uh, Sheriff Rhodes about. I think we're going to speak about diversion, where we. Uh, right. Keep as many in, mentally ill uh, people out of the system, uh, and so may, are, are you familiar at all with what uh, Sheriff Rhodes has been doing in the jail system to keep uh, in prison system to keep them kind of out, or or at least keep them you know the recidivism rate down. Right. Well, I think law enforcement in general now and in the Yavapai County is, uh, and some of the municipalities, not all of them are looking at what they can do in terms of what we call pre-trial diversion mm-hmm. or pre-arrest uh, diversion even. And so instead of automatically assuming it's a criminal justice uh, issue when people get, uh, when law enforcement gets called out, uh, they might look at it as a mental health issue. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just imperative that uh, law enforcement matches up and is very aware of what the mental health services are in the community. And the major provider is Spectrum Healthcare mm-hmm. in our region, both in Cottonwood, Sedona, elsewhere. Uh, and there are other health providers, mental health providers up in the Prescott area and whatnot. So there is something called the mobile, mobile crisis, uh, team that, that goes out. Uh, they'll be called out. Sometimes they'll call law enforcement to stand by. So you right. might have a, a, a family situation where somebody is just going off the deep end and is really suffering from mental health. They might be delusional. Or whatever. Instead of just picking them up and, and throwing them in jail, uh, they try to de-escalate uh, and calm people down, and then get them the mental health services they need. And who's responding to the, that call that way before law enforcement? You, are you talking about certain agencies or, or, or groups? Who, who's, who's answering those calls? Well, it would be uh, that would be in particular the spectrum uh, uh, response to those calls. They have a mobile crisis team that goes out and goes on the road, goes to places uh, where incidents are occurring. And they're deployed through the ni- a nine one one call. Uh, you know, I'm not sure. Uh, I think generally, if if the police are called, then they will call the, okay. the spectrum crisis unit if they think it's appropriate. Mm-hmm. Uh, it might be through nine one one is is another way where uh, you know if there's a mental health uh, crisis uh, called in. So so there's a variety of ways that they can be contacted. Sheriff Rhodes, so, do we uh, have you back? We we had a disconnection. Are you there? Yes. Oh, great. Can you hear me? <laughs> great, great. We can hear you. We can hear you fine. So um, oh, I think you heard. Very a, sorry about that. Yeah, I think you heard a, a bit of, uh, of Mick Dordal's discussion. Um, talk to us a little bit about 
where because you have a by county as I understood it talking back to mental health people back in, in 2014 was really a pretty good uh, a pretty good county in terms of dealing with the mental illness issues compared to other counties in Arizona and um, people encouraged me to again to talk to the sheriff back then and I just never got around to it so Tell us a little bit about, you know, what you're trying to do to, to deal with this issue because, you know, I, I have a, a, a skewed perspective looking at the, the police blogs and stuff in, in, in Sedona because so many of the, of the calls are trespassers or, or, or people yelling and screaming or people refusing to leave or, or somebody comes out and finds somebody sleeping in their car, you know, things like this. Well, Steve, um, let's let Sheriff Rhodes, because I, I, I see where you're going with this. And Mick started talking about how calls are responded to, um, you know, Spectrum Health, either being called by law enforcement or law enforcement calls Spectrum through the 911 board. Um, can you... Rose, uh, Sheriff Rose, did you hear us kind of going on that band? Can you talk about where this first responder diversion can maybe keep these folks out of the criminal justice system? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it's hard to describe any one piece without sort of talking about the philosophy behind all of it or the philosophy behind the whole which is uh, diversion at, at every contact. And so um, what you're talking about here, what we're responding to, is um, what we call a pre-arrest diversion. And that's if you're familiar with the sequential intercept model, which is a very uh, well-known national model when, when attempting to decriminalize mental illness. The sequential intercept model has a number of intercepts and intercept number one is law enforcement. And basically what that is and what we're trying to do is build uh, different opportunities for law enforcement to resolve situations. So prior to about 2016, 2017, here in Yavapai County, law enforcement was very limited to handle uh, or the resources that were available to handle that call that you're talking about. So when you have somebody that um, sort of behaving strangely or is um, uh, maybe they've committed a crime of trespassing or disorderly conduct or something, and uh, people would call, and they generally call 911, and law enforcement would respond, law enforcement officers would know that something had to be done, but they they didn't know exactly what, or they were limited on the things that they could do. Uh, oftentimes, you know, that person would end up being arrested and taken to jail. And the reason was is that they had committed a crime, although a low-level crime, a misdemeanor, but the officers knew that if they got them off the street, that that problem was solved for the night. Mm-hmm. Well, that was not a, at all a long-term solution or anything that would, you know, uh, help with public safety or would help with the outcomes of that individual. Um, it was sort of, uh, in a lot of ways, a wasted contact because, you know, these people would be arrested, put in jail, they would see the judge, and eventually the judge would let them out. And without some type of treatment or service, that was connecting them 
uh, with the service that they needed to help them deal with their, you know, in this case, mental illness, uh, they would commit the same violations or be back in the same situation and end up back in jail. You know, that's called recidivism, being arrested over and over again. And so we recognize that, you know, law enforcement needed other resources uh, other than jail to stabilize these people, uh, people that were suffering from psychosis or some other type of mental health crisis, and keep them in the community and keep them in treatment and keep them out of the jail system altogether. Uh, once you get into the criminal justice system, there's, very, there's a, a lot of barriers come your way that are very difficult to navigate, including fines and fees and, uh, you know, problems getting housing even or your driver's license back and all these things. And, you know, if somebody has these uh, mental illness and these other factors, those can be insurmountable barriers. So Spectrum Healthcare created uh, mobile crisis response in the Verde Valley, which was basically a 24-hour-a-day, seven-day response to any call from law enforcement regarding somebody experiencing mental illness, and they would uh, come and, and provide that resource that wasn't available before where they would uh, accept uh, responsibility for this person and get them into treatment or services or housing or find their family or do whatever needed to be done to keep that person out of jail. Of course, do so safely, of course. Uh, we don't want, um, uh, you know, there to be any safety issues. So that's really what we're talking about here. And Mobile Crisis had incredible results um, in a very short period of time, and now it's been operating for I believe five years and uh, diverted thousands of people from being arrested amazing. over in the Verde Valley. That's an amazing uh, achievement, uh, Sheriff. You talked about diversion at every level, and we were talking earlier about the first diversion when the call comes in. What other diversions are possible to get people out of the system, mentally ill people? Well, one of the things that we created uh, while I was the jail commander is a program called Reach Out. You may have heard of it. And this is uh, a place where Mick uh, Jordal and I worked extensively together on this project, um, as did a number of partners. And Reach Out is nothing more complicated than screening every single person that's booked into the jail for behavioral health issues. That can be mental health. That can be... Uh, substance abuse, oftentimes those go hand in hand, identifying what those issues are as well as any other risk factors like homelessness, like transportation, like whatever it may be, <clears throat> and connecting to that person to services on their way out to jail as they're being released, even if that is like in 12 hours or less, and then giving that person or giving uh, that person an option to complete the treatment or services in lieu of being prosecuted for the charges that they were arrested for. And that is something that, you know, our county attorney, uh, Sheila Polk, has worked extensively on. Our um, uh, our, our local uh, prosecutors, such as Mick Jordal, have worked extensively on. The judges are on board. Um, as an idea that if you just, we're going to set you up with this, uh, with treatment and these services. And if you just complete them, your charges are going to be dismissed. But we're not going to, but 
but there's another element to that, and that's community coaching. And that's really where I think the, the, the success of the program is coming out, is we've connected a number of people with community coaches through the Yavapai Reentry Project who help people stay on track, stay out of the criminal justice system, get sort of their life back. And we've had a tremendous success at that as well. I think that there's a lot of things that people really need to remember. Uh, about 96% of the people that are ever arrested and booked into county jail will return to the community. And only about 4% will go on to prison and, you know, do an extended period of time there. But about 96% are going to return to the community. So county jail, and this is something that I learned while I was there, was a tremendous opportunity to recognize people who are coming into the jail, recognize what um, their risk factors were, and try to, uh, you know, connect them to treatment. You know, let me recognize what somebody's risk I love what you called it. You called it a warm handoff. You know, the uh, recovery centers, people are coming out of jail and and, um, getting the resources and services they need to um, enter society. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, absolutely. A warm handoff is not that we don't just open the door and let somebody who's mentally ill walk out the door and and expect them to go find treatment on their own. We bring the treatment provider to them for that warm handoff. And so there's you know, literally a connection done at the jail as the as the person is being released. So uh, the arrest, everybody, uh, just so folks understand, people, the people arrested, ninety six percent of them, are going to come back into the community. And what you're trying to do is deal with that with that statistic, with that fact that people are going to go out, they're going to be in jail or whatever, and then they're going to go back out into the community. Yeah, that's exactly right. right. You know, 96% are going to come back to the community, and about 70% are going to have some type of mental health or substance use issue. And so uh, by connecting that 70%, we are attempting to reduce recidivism, which we've had tremendous success doing. Um, We commissioned uh, NAU or contracted with NAU uh, to do a study on reach-out, and now Reach Out has grown into this all-encompassing um, uh, program in which, as I mentioned earlier, where we're uh, putting strategies at each intercept. That really is Reach Out. Reach Out has been studied by NAU for three years now. We've had a tremendous success. We're, we have a uh, recidivism rate of about 16%, down from about uh, 38% three mm-hmm. years ago. So. And with that, we've had the corresponding drop in jail population from about uh, 600 down to about 450. Amazing. Which is, well, these are, you know, these are real tangible results. And all this yeah. has happened without compromising public safety. And and we've gotten uh, many, many um, follow-up uh, cards and calls and different things and tracked with different people to, to kind of show yeah, the I was wondering about that, that people have had. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I love that you, you know, you call it accountability with opportunity, you know, really holding people accountable for things that, uh, you know, that are against the law, but also providing an opportunity to break out of the cycles of, you know, obviously treatments necessary for mental illness, but across the spectrum of, of people getting into a situation where they need opportunity not just to be locked away or just sent, you know, turned loose and, uh, to uh, repeat uh, offend so this, it's a, such an amazing program it's it's very impressive sheriff mm-hmm. i have i have to say <laughs> i mean it, it it's a very impressive program. let's ask uh, mick jordan you know as a prosecutor in, in in cottonwood what's your role in this yeah um there is diversion at every step in the sequential model and we talk quite a bit about pre-arrest diversion and i think law enforcement throughout uh yeah by county are doing a pretty good job with that including in Sedona, where it's very different is in the municipal courts because every misdemeanor uh, that's committed within a municipality is charged in that municipal court. So some courts are taking advantage of this model. Others are just using the old traditional model of lockup and then time served and release. Um, but what we did in, in Cottonwood is we very intentionally, we had meetings, I remember, Remember, I think that was one of the first meetings I, I met uh, then uh, Captain Rhodes, now sheriff, at, and I uh, was very encouraged. Um, this is probably four or five years ago, and uh, we set up something called the Alternative Sentencing Program. And basically what it does, and it's all written out, we've got a five-page flowchart uh, type of document, but basically what you do is you find a defendant uh, that you believe is, um, you know, charged with some very low-level crime, nonviolent crime, and match them up with services and then basically require them to work the steps of the services. So what we would do, our, our major partner is Spectrum uh, Healthcare. And, uh, you know, they have wonderful services available. There are services here in Sedona as well. So that could be matched up here. It's, it's really not happening much over here in Sedona. Um, but it certainly is in Cottonwood. We've had probably a couple hundred people go through our program. <clears throat> I wanted to talk about, just to bring it down to a human level, just describe a few defendants that have gone through this. One of our really uh, early success stories was a guy named, uh, affectionately known as Parka Man. Um, and I don't know if anybody remembers him, but he, he was a homeless resident of Cottonwood. And people would watch him just walking down the streets, even in 105-degree weather, he would have a parka on. And over his head, and he was, um, you know, homeless uh, about 14 years. We we were able to find out everything nonviolent, um, but he was schizophrenic, and he would get charged with illegal camping and small things like that. Um, so what happened is we matched him up with Spectrum. We got him an advocate, um, and uh, this is a guy who hadn't, you know, his um, well. Um, he, we finally had to get his trust, gain his trust. He was probably incompetent to stand trial in any way, shape, or form, but we had a public defender appointed. We had a, a special homeless advocate uh, that was working with him, finally gained his trust, um, and we would have review hearings uh, in the court. So there was a court proceeding going on, and he entered into what's called a deferred prosecution agreement. And that was basically, he didn't have to plead guilty or anything to any charge, but he agreed to work a plan. And finally, he uh, gained the, uh, some trust in Spectrum and, and others, his advocate. 
um, and received some medications. Uh, his, uh, we were able to find his family uh, back in Iowa. He had a son uh, that was in Phoenix. They all thought he was dead. Um, they hadn't heard from him in five years. <clears throat> and uh, he turned around. Uh, chief, uh, the police chief, uh, Gazelle, uh, made sure he could get untrespassed uh, from Walmart, went and shopped and got new clothes. Um, he um, and uh, got him to a barber, and they cut his long hair off, and it weighed five pounds. <laughs> with various, uh, various big, uh, twigs and sticks and everything like that. And basically, you know, uh, this guy, you know, self-resurrected, and it was through the care of the whole community and a combination of services. Humanizing and, him. Mm-hmm. He was one of our first great graduates. Uh, just last week, we had a guy that uh, he's had, I just counted this morning, 15 different convictions. Um, <clears throat> homeless guy, um, alcoholic, getting into trouble when he got drunk. Uh, well, he, he's been at Spectrum's uh, Men's World. He's one of the first residents there. Um, we, well, we sent him off to Winslow before to get alcohol rehab. And uh, that didn't work. Uh, but now the second time he was with Men's World, and it seems to have worked for the last four months. He got some back surgery that was uh, causing some of his uh, desire to self-medicate. Um, and uh, he also got his Social Security retirement check. And now he was able to afford a small trailer in Camp Verde. So wow. um, he's doing well. He's graduated. So th- those are a couple of stories. Now, the traditional model, um, you know, I've represented a guy here in uh, in Sedona. He was also homeless for over a decade and, uh, you know, was unable to get services. Uh, there, there was no court set up here for mental health services or matching or pairing things. And he was treatment resistant. Um, uh, so he'd go to jail for a while and get out. We would de- get him declared incompetent. Um, so the cases would be dismissed. And nothing would happen. And unfortunately, this guy uh, died of acute alcohol poisoning mm-hmm. a couple of years later. I have his, his booking photo in my office as mm-hmm. a reminder. Yeah. Uh, but you're, the work that you're doing is so important because you're humanizing people that really need to be seen. And uh, a, it, it requires a lot of time and patience and effort. And so I just want to say thank you for all the work you're doing. And I think you and, and Sheriff Rhodes, uh, Sheriff Rhodes, are you sitting on the board of uh, Yavapai Justice and Mental Health Coalition currently? I know you're both. A- yes, I Mm-hmm. Yes, I am actually. Uh, I was one of the founding members of the board, and it was uh, we recognized that uh, you know to have a community response, it had to be done at the coalition level, and you had to get everybody in the same room and working together uh, to sort of break down the silos and, and make things work. And that's why that's why the the coalition was uh, created. Yeah, it's got quite a. Uh an illustrious bunch down just to advocates. Uh, Sheila Polk is, uh, is she currently still on the board? I mean, you've got quite a yes. wide range of people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, she is. And that, you know, I think that it's, uh, the, the board, the coalition board is, <laughs> it is amazing because when you go into that meeting, there's never a time when I'm out in public in the County where I'm in a room of more diverse stakeholders that are yeah. there for one issue. Mm-hmm. So how connected is the coalition with these programs you're talking about, like a, a Reach Out or um, 
connected to Oh, the, the executive director of the coalition is uh, a, la- a lady named Bea Thayer. Mm-hmm. Bea is not only is she the executive director of the coalition, but she's basically the um, the site commander of Reach Out. You know, everything that is going on, all the heavy lifting and all the coordination that has to happen on a day-to-day basis is done by the executive director of the coalition. And so she, through her pivotal point, she's able to access resources, contacts, uh, people all over the county in a moment's notice to make changes to policy or to do follow-up or do different things to, you know, smooth out the process. Because it's, you know, you're sort of uh, building the airplane while you're flying it. Mm-hmm. Nothing like this really exists anywhere. And so we're we're responding based on things that make makes sense. So so tell us a little bit more about what the coalition's doing. So you've got uh, the board member connected with Reach Out. Uh, collectively, what do you get, what's your guys' intention for uh, the coalition? Well, the intention is to simply bring the stakeholders together, the actual decision makers, the people that can actually go back to their agency or their organization and make things happen. And then talk about things that need to be done. So uh, as an example, in Reach Out, we recognized that one of the major barriers to warm handoffs was um, a, a, a site at the jail that um, this could occur, you know, sort of a, a building, nothing more, nothing more than that, a reentry center. So we're going to, um, we're going to put one over in Camp Verde at the jail over there, but more importantly, um, we, through the coalition, we designed and uh, worked with the Yavapai County Board of Supervisors to build a reentry center next to the new criminal justice center that's being built in Prescott. So now uh, treatment providers, uh, community providers, community resources, everybody will, will be able to come to the reentry center and conduct those warm handoffs right there, right when somebody is released from jail. Um, and this is a model that's getting a lot of traction. So Mojave County is trying to build one next to their jail. Pinell County is trying to build one uh, next to their jail. And I've had a lot of discussions with uh, Sheriff Penzone down there, Copa. Uh, of course, they've got a they've got a beast down there, but they're trying to do something similar. Hmm, good to know. Good to know. Yeah, and you know, if I can chime in here, I think the the one thing that Sheriff Rose didn't. Uh, brag about enough, and I think he should, um, is that uh, how this reduces expenditures, public expenditures. I mean, every jail day that is saved, uh, you know, probably saves about 80 or 100 bucks uh, to the taxpayers. Um, you know, every every service that we uh, match up with defendants in the Cottonwood Municipal Court are free services to us in the court system. They already exist in the community through Spectrum Healthcare and other health care providers or the Homeless Coalition, or or other agencies. So it, it's really just a paradigm shift, I think, all of this, is looking at um, not being so adversarial, uh, mm-hmm. at least on the misdemeanor level, dealing with uh, mental health cases. The, some of the most crucial uh, parts of the system in the court system are public defenders, and, and they're invaluable. Their role is to match up these services, go out and... and, and put it together, and then we have review hearings every month or so on certain people and how are they doing. And So 
Uh, it takes all of us getting together um, in, in the court system. You know, it's the judge, the public defender, and the prosecutor all working together to try to get the, the result that we want, which is to get this person better and uh, offer them a charge uh, or a, a way to get out of their charges, get their charges dismissed based on good behavior. And so you've had good feedback from you know judges and and uh, other law enforcement and and lawyers and such. Oh and, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I have to tell you, when I first came to the job, again, you know, I said before, I came more as a defense attorney, and I hadn't worked so closely with law enforcement in the past, and I was kind of concerned about what they would think. Uh, am I going to be weak on crime or perceived that way? But I have to say, I have gotten just so much positive uh, feedback from law enforcement officers who are on the street. You know, they'll say, hey, can you guys do your magic in the mental health court? Yeah, because um, it requires a you know, certain... Or they'll contact me and mm-hmm. say, I'm really concerned about this person. Can you Beautiful. For them. Yeah, uh, they so, really don't want to have to answer these calls because, you know, there's people trained in de-escalating and in mental health crises. You know, it's it's not something they they feel comfortable with. So it, it's it's wonderful that, that we can kind of take out the uh, any any um, what am I trying to say? The risk for escalation. And uh, so it's, it's wonderful to hear there's such success with this. Well, right, I think one of the too, we get so politically polarized, and we were talking about this just before the program started. Is um, you know this this is something where all of us can come together, regardless of your political affiliation, mm-hmm. and work for the common good. And and, and there's almost 100 percent buy-in to, to these new models. Uh, where I get frustrated is is you know why aren't other municipalities adopting it? Yeah, well, I know there's you know all over the country. Uh, cities are adopting policing alternative programs. You know, there's one starting down in Phoenix, um, and it, same same issues. You know, homelessness, mental health crises. Um, really, most of the calls coming into 911 are nonviolent, non-criminal. A lot of just you know suspicious person, uh, loud noise complaints. So to find folks that can kind of mediate between law enforcement and citizens is you know, we're saving money, we're saving lives. I've, I've heard people say that uh, that it's surprising that Sedona is not participating in the program that much. Uh, is, is that your experience? Uh, well, if- we did we did do a little dog and pony show and met with some of the members of the Sedona City Council, others, court uh, prosecutors, and all that, and 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 gave them sort of an expose of what the model uh, presents and. Uh, um, Sheriff, were you there at that meeting? I thought you were. I know Sheriff Masher. I, I, I actually was not at that, no. Okay, but Sheriff Masher was there. We had Spectrum uh, people, and so I know that they're aware of it. I would love to see them uh, do something. Uh, you know, their one problem Sedona has is there is no overnight homeless shelter at all. Um, it makes makes things difficult. There are Spectrum services here, however. Uh, there's no reason I can't start up here. I think that's a good point. So, Sheriff Rhodes, uh, how would you – I guess my question is when I'm thinking about this is, is there more to do, and do you have enough money, Spectrum have enough money to make this program work? Well, uh, yeah, there's definitely more to do, and, um, you know, we're working on it right now through building the uh, the Connection Center in – Prescott, and then opening a connection center next to the jail in, in Camp Verde eventually. Um, 
the continued uh, law enforcement training and education, uh, specifically around response, um, locating the inside the 911 centers, uh, training 911 dispatchers on uh, crisis diversion and who to dispatch in certain situations is uh, sort of the next thing. You know, I would have to uh, let Spectrum speak for themselves about whether they have enough money. You know, I, I do know, because uh, I'm connected there, that uh, this has been done on Spectrum's own dime. And, um, of course, it's not a secret that the, the CEO is my wife, April, and April has uh um, she's something else. She decided that because Spectrum was a community, a nonprofit community uh, provider, that that they should be reinvesting their resources in the community. And so I don't believe that they've ever they've been paid some money through, I think, a partnership with Northern Arizona Healthcare. But I don't think that they've ever actually gotten uh, paid for this. They're just doing it with their own resources. So um, you know, like like they do a lot of things. Uh, to, trying to meet a community response. Um, Actually, in term, terms of money, if I can just chime in here, uh, Sheriff, uh, perhaps you could describe the help uh, that Yavapai County got from the legislature looking at a pilot program because you were enormously successful in, in uh, getting funding for that. Yes. Yes, <laughs> I it, uh, missed a little bit of that, Nick, but yes, um, I believe the answer is yes to your question, yes. Okay, I don't know if I was breaking up or not, but uh, my understanding was that the state legislature had authorized quite a bit of funding uh, for pilot uh, program for Yavapai County. Uh, that was back well, a they, years ago. Well, they did, um, but that's not on the treatment side. That's on the, uh, that's on the sheriff's side. And so uh, we three years ago we went – so here's one of the things about – we're going to get into sort of some policy discussion, if you've got just a second. Um, it was our opinion that, you know, the state did not want to, they didn't want more people in prison. They recognized that they had uh, this problem with uh, mentally ill people, you know, being incarcerated at the prison level. They created their own uh, reentry project from prison, uh, which I think is, is cool, and they funded, of course, because they've got deep pockets. Um, but... But what we, when we really started looking at this issue, if you're funding reentry at the prison level as a means of reducing recidivism and reducing your population, let's look at the numbers here. About 19,000 people a year go to prison, and about 19,000 people a year are released. That's the last couple of years right in there. So you're spending money to prevent about 19,000 people from coming back to prison, which is an important task and admirable, and I'm supportive of that. But now let's look at the county jails. The county jail, about 250,000 people a year are going into the county jails and each year, and about, about 230,000 are being released from the county jails every year, and the state was not funding any uh, reentry at the county jail level, and it seemed to us that it would make sense to do so. So when we started Reach Out, we went to the legislature and asked for a three-year pilot project for them to pay for that, and they agreed, and they did, and now we have the data showing that, that, that reentry at the county jail level reduces recidivism and saves money. So now we're back. 
write this down. House Bill 2189. When you talk about bipartisan support, House Bill 2189, which is another appropriation which would be available to all the counties uh, in the state except Maricopa. Maricopa has its own bill to start their own reach-out program. And because the state sees value in this, 2189 passed the House last week and, and was transferred to the Senate. 58 yes votes and one no vote. <laughs> That's amazing. Wow. That's great. <clears throat> yes. So people recognize when you start talking about criminal justice reform, you start the, the smart money, in my opinion, is, it, is at the front end. It's not at the back end after people have already been chewed up and, uh, you know, they're being released from prison after many years of, of um, recidivism and difficulty and, you know, all these things. Uh, there's a number of people that can be uh, saved from prison at the very front end, and that's where we need to be investing. And I think the legislature, and I know the governor, agrees with that. Excellent. Um it is such a positive thing. I think yeah. that uh, Hava and I are just looking at each other. I mean, uh, you've done such, such great work. It's certainly got to be the right direction. And I know people all over the country, there's, there, these programs are not that common, are worried about the, the, the mentally ill being put into prisons and, and, and just coming through the cycle and also spending time with hardened criminals and stuff for people who are, you know, sometimes not functioning fully. Um, I think that, that, that what you're doing is just absolutely, uh, absolutely wonderful. And I, I hope you get more funding and the other counties get more funding to do this because when something works, you just don't sit around and say, oh, that worked and not do anything. Something works, you imitate it. If you're in another county, you look at Yavapai County, worked in Yavapai, maybe it'll work here. Yeah. So the fingers crossed on uh, 2189 passing the Senate. That's great. And it's going to really um, hopefully start a trend where cities, towns, municipalities are all going to find policing alternatives and you know keep people uh, out of the prison system and uh, really get the help they need. This is very inspiring. Well, it's uh, uh, being the sheriff, uh, you have a detention facility, you have the county jail that you have to manage, and so we get to do this uh, very important work. But I also have the largest police force uh, in the county. And so when you start looking at the work that our law enforcement officers are doing and what we want them to be doing, um, they, you know, don't want to be responding to more of these hopeless calls yeah. than, than they need to be. And we need to be focusing our time because we do have, you know, rural criminals and rural crime that goes on in the county, like every county and community in America. And to keep the public safe, um, the more effort that we can spend on that, uh, the better off we are. I want to thank you both for being with us. I, uh, people think a 45 minute interview is so long, but once we started it, Boy, it seems, it, it seems very <laughs> short. So I would like to thank you both it's for being amazing. with us. Uh, mm -hmm. I think it's amazing, uh, what you both are doing and particularly you, Sheriff. Wow. I, that's very helpful. Um, next week we're going to have, uh, Andrew, um, uh, Basevich on the uh, show. Um, he's a career military man, uh, retired as a colonel, armor branch of the uh, army. 
became a, a professor in in Massachusetts, opposed the Iraqi war, and unfortunately, after he opposed the Iraqi war, his son died fighting over there. So we'll have Andrew Bacevich next week. He's written a, a, a ton of books. I couldn't even carry them if I wanted to. So tune in next week. Uh, we're going to have... Uh, well, we're going to continue this series on criminal justice, right? Because we've got restorative justice. This is all dovetailing into uh, you know the policing alternatives. Hopefully we'll get... Uh, Tom uh, Black from Whitebird up at Cahoots and okay. start talking about what's happening down in Phoenix and, of course, restorative justice. Uh, that's a whole other uh, episode in this criminal justice series, and so I'm excited to uh, keep going with this. Uh, we're going to have a local. Uh, Dustin is going to join us for the restorative justice. I know we talked about having him on, so this is really, really uh, a fun series. Thanks for thanks for participating. Um, Visit our, us. Yeah. Yeah. Visit our website, vvid.org, for the podcast for this and all our other shows. Thank you very much for being with Thank us, you. folks. You've been listening to Democratic Perspective, brought to you by the Verde Valley Independent Democrats, a weekly talk show focusing on the political issues facing the Verde Valley, Sedona, Northern Arizona, and our nation at large. Catch us every Monday morning after the 8 a.m. news, right here on AM 780 K. It's beautiful out there, folks. Have a great day.